Welcome to The Buzz. I'm Christopher Conover. This week, how staffing shortages are affecting law enforcement agencies in southern Arizona. Police and sheriff's departments around the country say they're short on staff. At the same time, local activists are calling for a restructuring on how the law enforcement agencies interact with the people they serve. That includes a push to make those who patrol the streets more closely match the demographics of the community. The Tucson Police Department is hoping to bring in new recruits that will help it better resemble the city's population. It recently hosted an event that was targeted at women who may consider a career in law enforcement. The Buzz's Samantha Larned attended the event and brings us this report. Afterwards, she came up to me and she's like, and it's that relatability I talked about, right? Melissa Ayun is telling a group of women about a fellow officer who was recruited by the Tucson Police Department. She's like, oh my gosh, I'm a single mom and I related to everything that you said. And she's like, I really think I can do this. Ayun is a recruiting officer with TPD and she's speaking at a recent event the department held for women interested in law enforcement. A lot of women don't even consider this career field because they just don't see themselves doing it, myself included. Like I came into this career field for the benefits because I had children that I wanted to provide for. I wanted a retirement, I wanted stability. Those were the things that mattered to me and that's what brought me here. When a young first joined the force, she never thought that she would get hired. She'd been working as a waitress when her children's father lost his job. She was looking for a career with greater security. Now, 16 years later, a young works to inspire others to consider law enforcement as a possible career path. Among the attendants of the workshop is Lupita Kretzer, a senior at Walden Grove High School in Saharita. She heard about the event from Officer Ayan, who spoke to her class about opportunities and benefits at TPD. I'm interested in possibly becoming a police officer or even going into maybe like crime scene or something. Um, but I did like the idea of women supporting women because it is a male-dominated um, career. And so I was really excited to come. I wasn't sure how many people were going to show up, but I'm, I'm glad I came. As of October, TPD has nearly 850 sworn officers. And according to Assistant Chief Monica Prieto, women make up only 15% of that number. With the 30 by 30 initiative, TPD is hoping to double this number by 2030. An organization has challenged police agencies to increase the number of females within their organizations in all ranks, basically giving women the opportunity to have a seat at the table. Another speaker at the workshop is Sarah Fisher, a crime scene specialist who has been with TPD's crime scene unit for just over a year. Fisher explains that crime scene investigation, in addition to being highly competitive, is a new field, which is still developing. In crime scene in particular, um, it is also a male-dominated. Uh, TPD has, in the past couple of years, had a lot more females. So I think right now we're almost 50-50 male and female, which is cool. Um, when I went through the academy period, uh, it was four females. So all four of us were females, and that was really fun. It is kind of cool to see how it's developing and how we're able to, to change it, change the field. Fisher recommends getting as much experience as possible to stand apart, such as forensic classes, internships, and ride-alongs. Also in attendance at the recruiting event is 36-year-old Cameron Froby. She is a mother of three and an esthetician who has owned her own business for the past seven years. Well, my dad was a police officer, so it's always been kind of been in the back of my mind. I've had kids, did all the things backwards, and all of a sudden 
kind of came to a point in the last year, I was like, you know what, I think it's time to do something more with my life. Froby is aware of the controversy and negative public perception associated with the job, but sees it as a motivator to do better. To be honest with you, that's kind of why I want to do it. Like, honestly, because I think that there's, there's a reason for the job. There's obviously, you know, and I think that there are some bad apples out there, but I, I feel like there's enough people that can prove that wrong. So there's a little even more of a push because of that negative vibe that there is with the police department now. So it kind of drove me even more to be like, I'm going to do it. As for the department itself, Ayun shed some light on its goals and the reason they hold events like this one. You know, it's not just about we need more female officers. I mean, yes, we would love to see, we really want to see a diverse agency in general. Females have a different way of thinking. They have a different way of communicating. Ayun says that everyone has something to offer due to their varying life experiences and the way that they relate to the community. We would like for the Tucson Police Department to mimic our community. And our community is extremely diverse. And whether it's culturally, whether it's your belief system, regardless of what it is, we want a diverse department because we deal with a wide range of issues in this career field. And in dealing with people, everyone has something to contribute. For The Buzz, I'm Samantha Larned. Tucson police are not the only ones who are in a crunch for officers and other staff. The Pima County Sheriff's Office has seen a drop in personnel ranging from professional staff to deputies and corrections officers. Chris Nanos is the Pima County Sheriff. It's a post he held by appointment for two years starting in 2015, then won back in the 2020 election. He started our conversation saying attrition has been a problem for years, noting that since 2016, his office has lost almost a third of its workforce. Our commission deputy, the young man and woman out in the field in the patrol car answering your calls for service, they're down today about 40-some deputy positions. We start an academy Monday, which will have 30-some positions. I think now we're down to 26. It's just the job market. Even though they say, oh, well, you've got 45 vacancies and you've got 45 in the academy, you're good. You're at 100%. Those 45 cannot even be in a car for 40 weeks. On top of that, we know our attrition rate. We lose roughly two every pay period, one deputy a week. So in that 40-week training period, We've lost 40. Yet in my academy today, we tried to hire 40, but it starts Monday. We got 26. We're already behind. We need to um, make sure that people aren't leaving us because the grass is greener somewhere else. I can't control their pay. I don't. I get to go to the board of supervisors and yell and scream about we need more money, but I have no say in it. And so we try to look at attrition and morale outside of pay. What else uh, impacts people's morale? How about the way I treat you? The bosses treat you. Are you well cared for? Do, do, do you have a team that really, truly appreciates all you're doing for them? When we look at the other side of the house, corrections, that is a tough job. That was my first job when I came to Tucson. And I'm telling you, that was the toughest job I've ever had. And I worked in a facility that was brand new. 
really looked nice, clean. You felt like you were safe. The environment was a good environment. Today, you walk through that jail and it looks like a jail. It smells, it, there's plumbing issues, you have leaks throughout the whole place. Um, literally a rainstorm and you could be on the second floor of the tower and it is just, we had, we had that two weeks ago, pouring through there. The place is falling apart. It shouldn't be that way. And so the work environment plays big into morale. The average length of time for them, the corrections officer, is less than four years. But it's not a bad thing. We still hire good people. You know, to be a cop, to be out on the street, you gotta be 21. To be in my corrections facility as a corrections officer, you can come in at 18. So we get these young kids in there, and I call them kids, but they're really young men and women who do a great job, and put them in an environment that is really tough. And you're asked to live inside the cell with them, not on the outside, walk around looking in. You're in the middle of it all. And you're asked to care for every need they have and make sure they're safe and keep you safe. So what we try to do is give them encouragement to say, look, this is a great starting point. Your pay starts at 20 something dollars an hour. And, and they're one of the top paid in the state in terms of correctional facilities. But we ask them to be patient, grow, learn. Two years from now, you're 18, 19, by the time you're 20, if you really want to be a cop, we'll take you right in. When it comes to recruiting for the sheriff's office, do you have a tougher time because you all have urban, suburban areas like the Catalina Foothills District, but you also have Ajo, you have Mount Lemon. TPD doesn't have those problems. Do you have a, a more difficult time recruiting and keeping people in maybe some of those outlying areas? I don't see them as problematic. I see some opportunities there for growth and others. One, to develop the community of Ajo, I would like to be able to recruit in Ajo because who has better pride in their own city and community than those that live there and grew up there? So I don't know, it's, there's that challenge I'm guessing, but hey, let's face it, I would also love to work Mount Lemon as a young man, young lady. It's like, this is really 100, what was it the other day, 106 degrees? Mount Lemon is nice. Yeah, so we, I think more for us, the problem is, like I say, the work environment at the jail, for example, their staffing levels are, they're down 117 bodies, I think 121 bodies today. That's 30 some percent of their workforce over there. The attrition rate at that jail today is 3.9, 3.8 something, four. You can do a 20 year study on that jail and it's been always right around four. Oh, it's had higher numbers and lower numbers, but it's never been like the deputies at two. So if you're losing four a pay period, you go, my goodness, their training is 15 weeks. Since I have been here, January 1, 2021, we have never had an academy of more than 20-some. Every time you're losing. Today, we have an academy. We hope we have one starting of 29. It's still not the 30 we need. But we look at it and go, we see some growth there. It was never 29. So we're kind of encouraged that maybe this market's turning around, the job market. Deputies, we got 94 cadets through the process. That's a big number. In fact, it's so big now, the challenge is, how do I train 94 cadets in an academy that has a seating room of maybe 50? 
And remember, my correction side, they have four academies, maybe five academies a year, where my deputies are twice a year. It's a big job to train that many people. And you have to have field training officers once they come out of the academy. Well, here's here's where we're at today. We look at the jail and say, yes, it's tough to hire right now. So I need to get some infusion in there of, of a lot of manpower. We don't want people dying in our jail. But we know it's a pretty tough place to be. And if you're in there, that first 72 hours is really critical. And we've thrown all kinds of things into keeping you safe, keeping you alive, particularly that first 72 hours. But things do happen. That jail was designed for one pot officer per pod. Right now we have one pot officer for two or three pods, some shifts. How does a pot officer make the rounds where he's got to go all the way around 18 rooms downstairs, 18 rooms upstairs, come back downstairs, go to another pod, and three pods, he's got to do that every 15 to 20 minutes. We're setting him up for failure. You can't do that. Even if you're running, because there's other work to be done in that facility. So we, we recognize that we need to do more. Overtime is a big push there. Deputies who have CO experience go there. So those people at that jail, my COs, uh, you can't say enough about them. They are working a tough job. But we now are going to take these 94 deputies that are applicants, and we believe that we can infuse that jail with them. In other words, you're going to be hired for an academy that starts in February. Why not start you in the correction side of the house in maybe November? It gives me 95 people, 94 people to put into that jail, gets me some great training for my future deputies working that environment, and then in February when the academy starts, they get to start an academy. We were at a recruiting event last week, a Tucson police recruiting event, aimed specifically at women, trying to get more women into law enforcement. Traditionally, law enforcement has been an all-boys club. Women in law enforcement is roughly about 12% across the nation. It's been that way for years. We think that we're closer to, I think, about 14%. So we've stepped up our game, if you will, a little bit. We know, my wife is gonna love this statement, We know that women have great skill sets. When it comes to law enforcement particularly, they have some great skill sets. I'm going to muscle my way through some things, get hurt, where from my wife's, that's the only one I can compare it to, is more of a, I think I'm gonna sit back and study this a little bit and not just go charge it. We recognize that we need more women in law enforcement for a variety of reasons. How do, you, how do you get by and say, yeah, we, we look like our community, when you don't? We saw billboards up around the Tucson area for the Albuquerque Police Department trying to recruit already sworn officers. Obviously, your deputies saw them. How do you compete against that? They're driving around, and, and there's a billboard that says, oh, the grass is way greener in Albuquerque. You should come here. Yeah, they're offering incentive pay, 15000 this, that. Even in our own state, DPS, we're going to give 20% to everybody. And I truly get the money thing, especially if you're a young man, young lady getting started in life. But I'll be honest with you. If you're taking this job for the money, you're in the wrong, you're in the wrong line of business. Nobody here is going to get rich. 
It's just not that way. And I really don't want you here for that reason. I want you here for the right reasons. That's, that being said doesn't mean I don't think you need to get paid. These are young men and women who are giving it all. We just lost a constable doing her job. It gave her all. There's nothing else she can give. You, you can't pay them enough. But I, I believe the challenge in recruitment comes more from how you represent yourself to your community as, a, as an agency. How do, we, how do we look compared to Tucson police or Phoenix police or other law, other sheriff's departments? And uh, yeah, I wish I could tell them that um, we could pay you more, um, but we, you get in that game, you're gonna lose out. I want, I want people who want this job because they know it's a job that helps. That was Pima County Sheriff Chris Nanos. You're listening to The Buzz. I'm Christopher Conover. We're examining how law enforcement agencies are dealing with a personnel shortage this week and what they're doing to get out of it. Cochise County Sheriff's deputies cover an area that's bigger than the country's three smallest states, but has a population of only about 130,000. With fewer deputies and more territory, open positions could become a problem quickly. To get an idea of how staffing levels look in the rural area, we spoke with Cochise County Sheriff Mark Daniels. He says that compared to what he hears from his counterparts, staffing looks great in his department. We'd actually be fully staffed right now if it wasn't for some additional uh, positions we got through the state. That's in our sworn ranks. And we've stayed pretty steady with that, with all the challenges out there in our detention um, ranks. Again, at one time when I first took over as sheriff almost 10 years ago, we were like 16 openings. Now we run between one and three. So, again, we're doing very well here in Cochise County. How is it that you all are so lucky to be basically fully staffed? We've talked to so many other departments that are really, really short on staff. We're very concerned about our recruitment, retention, but we start with our reputation and our culture. We think if we, as an organization, uh, no different than any business, that we work hard to market ourselves, we put the time in the community, we, we're transparent in the community, which builds trust. So our reputation is the best marketing we have, and it's worked really well for us here in Cochise County, and we'll continue that. We also have our hometown academy here in Cochise County, which helps recruit and retain and, and keep here locally. Uh, are homegrown, which I think is uh, very important to us. Last not least is, as um, president of the Arizona Sheriff's Association and my fellow sheriffs, we actually were successful with the state this year to um, uh, secure a $10,000 retention bonus for every detention officer in the state and every deputy in the state. So anybody that was hired, uh, that was currently hired uh, before May 1st of 2022 gets a $10,000 uh, uh, retention bonus, both detention and deputy. Anybody that we hire after May 1st through May of 2020, 2023 for the next 12 months actually gets a $5,000 sign-on bonus for both the uh, detention officer and deputy. That goes for every sheriff's office in the state. Now, sheriff's deputies typically, or sheriff's departments typically, wear lots of different hats. You've mentioned some of them from detention officers and things like that. You also have just added a mental health task force. How's filling those positions going? Well, 
that's that's a struggle. That's a challenge because we're bringing people. Rural policing has always dealt with challenge to hire. Normally, because our pay has never been uh, adequate when it comes to your urban communities. But I, I have to throw this into you, uh, the stat. 88% of the policing in this country, which is defined by less than 100 sworn officers or deputies, are considered rural policing. So only 12% come out of your urban communities. So we've always had that challenge. So we have to work extra smart, extra hard to make sure that, number one, we're recruiting. And number two is we're retaining. That's two of my uh, big objectives here as a sheriff. You mentioned that rural nature, and of course, Cochise County, very rural, lots of spread out territory you all have to cover. Is it harder to fill positions for some of those more rural divisions than, say, Sierra Vista or Douglas or some of the more urban divisions? Well, it is, especially for your younger applicants that you know, want, with young families, they want more resources, uh, amenities within a community. So that is a big challenge for us. But again, we, we've done very well to market that and get our applicants. To give you an example, we just tested here a couple weeks ago. Uh, I know we had 48 people apply. Now that's that that's pretty impressive. And talking to our counterparts, I mean, they're getting a handful. So again, just tells you the difference. Again, I think it goes back to the leadership culture, and I credit the men and women that work in my leadership. I'm not going to take credit for that. Um, I work for them when it comes to making sure we're doing the right thing. So, again, I think it goes back to how we're perceived within our communities, our cultures, because those are our customers. And I credit that around the nation. When you look at agencies that are failing, it starts with the leader. It starts with the chief. It starts with the sheriff and all the way through. That rural nature also can mean a lot of time in a car for a deputy. Say a deputy makes an arrest in the Wilcox area, they have to drive to Bisbee to process that arrestee. How does that change your operations? Well, we, we, we work on all the time of how we apply efficiency, how we apply effectiveness to meet the mission. Uh, when it comes to that, we have two satellite jails in rural Cochise County, one up on I-10 toward the Mexico state line up in Wilcox area. We also have one in Sierra Vista, which books about 49% of all my inmates. And then we have the main complex in, in Bisbee. As we are putting together a process to get a new jail here in Cochise County, that's one of the big factors. So we're always thinking about how we apply our resource to meet the needs of the public. And uh, so we're, we try to be on the cutting edge, whether it's hiring, whether it's retention, whether it be uh, technology, whether it's how we police, modern day policing. So again, that goes back to a culture that's on the cutting edge. You interact obviously with city police, Sierra Vista, and some of the other city police departments, customs and border protection, you know, the federal agencies. What are you hearing from your counterpart when it comes to uh, their filling positions? They're having challenges. And, and don't get me wrong, we we see the horizon. We see where policing is going in this country. Uh, and we see that where we've been doing well, we know the challenges are in front of us. So we're trying to keep ahead of that curve. Uh, talking to my fellow law enforcement leaders, I mean, obviously they're, they're feeling a lot of pressure to get the higher qualified people. One commitment I've made, and I'm not going to change it since I've been sheriff for almost last decade, is we're not going to change our standards or lower our standards to meet the to meet this challenge. We'll continue to work harder to find that good applicant that can aspire to be great someday with the sheriff's office. On that note, how do you go about recruiting? You said 48 people applied most recently. Are you out actively recruiting or do most people come to you? 
Actually, the best recruiters we have are the men and women of the Cochise County Sheriff's Office because they go out there, they talk to family, they talk to friends. We work with our high schools under the CTE, which is Career Technical Education Program. I go out just in a couple weeks ago speaking to one of our high schools, and I just had three of the uh, students that just graduated apply for us. We just hired one uh, to her in the process. So, again, it goes back to being out in front of your community, working within your community, but also uh, marketing the office. And, and if we do it right, it markets itself. It's uh, like a self-marketing team, and that's what's going on right now. And we're embracing that. But we also know we have to stay on top of that because that could change tomorrow. Earlier in this show, we heard from officials with Tucson Police and the Pima County Sheriff's Department, and they're really pushing a lot of diversity in their recruiting, be it more women, more people of color. Is anything similar to that going on in your department? If, if you look our demographics within the Cochise County Sheriff's Department, we fit our community very well. Uh, we're a border county, um, but again, we hire the merit, and our merits come uh, through diversity naturally, both gender, both race. So we haven't had that challenge here. Uh, again, it goes back to uh, how we practice law enforcement, how we apply our policing within the community, and how they receive it. And, and people aspire, say, I want to work for the Cochise County Sheriff's Office. And so it's worked really, really well. Plus, we work well with our partners here in Cochise County. We recognized who our competitors were. Obviously, Department of Public Safety is a big competitor. That's why we went to the state last year and said, on behalf of Arizona Sheriff Association, saying, hey, we see where they're going to go with their salary. What can we do to recruit, retain? And that's where those, those um, $10,000 bonuses, retention bonuses came from, and the $5,000 sign-on came on for our new hires. Uh, we see border patrol. I mean, you look at the salary from a federal employee compared to a rural county. Again, but we're not losing our people to uh, DPS or border patrol. Not that we don't see one or two leave here and there, but we're not seeing the mass exit. So again, it goes back to our cultural retention to retain the talent that we have within the sheriff's office. We, I would consider us more of an exception to the norm of what's going on in this country, but I'm pretty proud of it right now. All right. Well, thanks for spending some time with us, Sheriff. Anytime. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. Have a good day. That was Cochise County Sheriff Mark Daniels. And that's the buzz for this week. Tune in next week as we look at the role school counselors play in Southern Arizona children's education. You can find all our episodes online at azpm.org and subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for The Buzz Arizona. We're also on the NPR One app. Zach Ziegler is our producer with production help this week from Samantha Larned and Summer Hall. Jim Blackwood is our production engineer. Our music is by Enter the Haggis. I'm Christopher Conover. Thanks for listening. Arizona Public Media's original programming is made possible in part by the Community Service Grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.